Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sure Look, Sure Listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sure Look, Sure Listen. Sure Look, Sure Listen. Sure Look, Sure Listen. Sure Look, Sure Listen. Sure Look. Sure Listen. Sure Look, Sure Listen. Sure Look, Sure Listen. Very good, Ben. It was the return of our original theme music. Some of the listeners will no doubt be very disappointed that the Halloween season is over. I'm disappointed. Very disappointed, Benjamin. Benjamin, happy Halloween to you and happy the day after Halloween, All Saints Day, to the listeners, if they're listening to this on the first day after it's released. Benjamin. Yes. We should point out that it's currently halloween Eve. The evening of Hollows, all Hollows Eve, when we're recording. Spoiler there, Michael. Keep going. <laughs> it's not my first podcast. It is Ben, but <laughs> yes. we should point out it is. I mean, I've done others, but I mean, if you follow the lineage, it, it is my first podcast. Ben, yes, we should point out to the listeners that although they probably won't hear it, it's quite a tradition in Ireland to let off bangers on Halloween, and yes. I don't mean Ben. Thumping club anthems. I no. mean, small explosives. So you may hear a bit more noise in the background than usual this week, but you probably won't. Given, Michael, that we don't live ever so far from each other, <laughs> we'll probably hear the same explosions in stereo. Hearing, I think we're hearing the same bangers, Ben. And I don't mean <laughs> the greatest hits of Britney Spears circa 2004, Ben. Real club bangers. I mean, small little explosives. Fun fact, Michael, most of the top club and pop hits that you hear throughout the year are actually made in Ireland in a single night. Uh, very good Halloween night, Ben. Sure look, Ben. We should probably get on with it. So this week we're going to take a look at a new trailer for lots of things. There was a new trailer for Hawk Guy. Yep. Also, there was a trailer for The Witcher Season 2, What's New in the World of The Witcher. Benjamin, some people are being mean about The Eternals, even though we haven't seen it yet. And I've seen two films, The Injustice Animated Film and Nightbooks. It might be my first ever podcast. Oh, dear. Shall listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough, and it so rarely is. You'll notice from the title of this very episode, oh, yes, what a charming you. psychopath you are, uh, that we'll be taking a look, Michael, at the strange pop culture fetishization of certain male characters. Now, female as well, Michael. Yes. But it strongly happens with male characters where they are idolised for all the wrong reasons, Michael. So we're going to delve into that little strange social phenomenon. Mm. Probably shouldn't idolise them, Ben. They're probably bad blokes. Bunch of bad eggs. But you know who's a good egg, Ben? Go on. Kate Bishop. Ah, what an egg. The new, the new Hawkeye, Ben. <laughs> have you seen the trailer for Hawkeye? It's Christmas time in Hawkeye Town. I have. It's Christmas time in Hawkeye Town. A very Marvel Christmas. A very Marv- a very Hawkeye Christmas, they're calling it, Ben. Nothing new, particularly in the new trailer, Ben, I found. Other than, it really seems like they're going to just go full on with my life as a weapon. But, they're replacing down on your look schlubby Hawkeye with, I just want to get home in time to see my kids for Christmas, Hawkeye. Home Alone, Hawkeye. It, it, there's certain Home Alone vibes to it, isn't there, Ben? There are, Michael. They're hefty, hefty Home Alone vibes. Macaulay Culkin's looking for a copyright check somewhere. Very yeah. serious Home Alone vibes, Ben. Which is funny, coming out as it is in the same week as the trailer for the new Home Alone film, Home Sweet Home Alone. Yeah, it, it, with the with the young man from bloody Jojo Rabbit. He's out of Jojo Rabbit, Ben, and Ireland's own Ashling B. Or Ashling O'Sullivan, as I believe is her real name. Ashling B's the shit mum She's doing great Her career is really Hitting its stride She's doing grand Isn't she She's doing a great job We're going to have to Start hating her soon As per Irish (laughs) protocol There's going to be A national meeting Alongside the new Lockdown restrictions Being announced There will also be A begrudgery Bucket announcement uh, Where The minister will come out And say This is the list Of Irish people Who've grown Too successful Hello, now, this is, we're adding a few new names to the Bono Protocol, starting (laughs) with Ashling O'Sullivan, otherwise known as Ashling B, but we won't call her that here, because we'll begrudge it right out of her. The Bono Protocol. Why is she doing an English accent, Ben? Because she has to, Michael, it's more marketable. Ah, very good. Because, put it this way, Michael, 
I'd say it's a lot easier for an adult to do an English accent than it is for a young fool to do an Irish one. Ah, I see what you're saying, because that's a small English boy, is it? Yes, and I think they're pitching a, a single mum angle to it. Are they? I, I, I'm not sure. Are they not? I'm not sure. Anyway, we're supposed to be talking about Hawkeye. Yeah, sorry, back <laughs> to Hawkeye. We're talking about um, Home Alone. So naturally, yes. Michael, not unlike everything else in the pop culture world, the the release of the new promo material for Hawkeye, uh, including a poster that mimics David Ayer's original cover, Michael, is oh. not without its controversy. Um, oh, I love controversy. Yeah, one of which David Ayer has uh, weighed into the middle of because somebody said, oh, "Oh, amazing! They're going to do Matt Fraction's run on." Uh, oh, the new poster is an homage to Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. Oh. Uh, to which somebody else chimed in and went, well, actually, it's, it's David Aja's Hawkeye design. Like, he did all the mm. design work. And then, how about we give fair accreditation? And then bloody David Aja weighs in and he goes, how about we give fair pay when we use my material oh. in other media? And I was oh. like, oh. 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 oh, handbags. A handbag uh, full of cash. A 5,000 euro Chanel handbag full of Marvel cash. So I have no doubt, Michael, that somewhere along the line in a Marvel contract, because it, they're known for stiffing people or with a, a strict L contract, Michael, mm. I'd imagine somewhere there is a, a giving away of, of multimedia rights. Somewhere. Probably. In the Probably. contract. So I find it very interesting that Matt, uh, David Aja thinks he has any kind of right to what is essentially Marvel's material, but it brings up a very interesting debate on on who gets, you know, do do we give fair pay when we transition over to new media? Mm. We do? No, not usually. Not, not usually. usually. But you might be confusing there, Ben, a contractual right with, a, like, a human right or just, a, you know, a fairness thing. Well, I, I don't think Marvel cares about your fairness. No, they don't. They don't care, Ben. They're just all about diversity now. I mean, Kevin Feige might pull one of his his grand PR stunts and just give him a firm handshake and a check. Just be like, oh, I yeah, believe in yeah, artists. Yeah. There you go. There is a couple of thousand euro. You're an artist. A couple of thousand euro will do you years. Years. You can get so so many ramens. <laughs> that's that's what you guys eat, isn't it? Ramen. <laughs> isn't that what artists eat? Ramens. You're always talking about ramens. Benjamin. Yeah. You know who doesn't seem to be as bad on the old contracts? Because they'll contract anyone. It's the old Netflix. Oh, Netflix will give you... They, they've offered us a contract twice, Michael. <laughs> we like, no, no thanks. We've got a bit higher standards than that, Netflix. <laughs> yeah, look at us taking a job at Netflix. Ooh-wee. Taking out <laughs> the big boys. <laughs> Benjamin. Yeah? I've seen the trailer for The Witcher Season 2, and all I can tell you about it is that Geralt's going to do a bit more magic by the looks of things. Yeah, that's that's all we really got from that trailer, Michael. It's like, oh, look, oh, yeah, magic stuff. God about that. He's on a shield. He's got a shield. He didn't do a lot of magic in the first season, Ben, if I remember correctly. No, he was more of a swords and ballet kind of guy. Yeah, he's doing chopping people up and having black eyes and stuff. But in the books and the games, he's all about magic, isn't he? Oh, he's all about a bit of witchery, Michael. Yeah, Thanks. he's throwing <laughs> flames at people and stuff and doing explosions. Yeah, it's a classic, Michael. One of the one of the all time great uh, witcher tricks is ah, oh, have a flame in the face. Hmm. Ah. Or you you can't get me, I've got a shield, but not a normal shield, a magical shield. It looks like it's going to dip more into the first book again, Michael. We saw more glimpses of of what looks to be the Bear Lord or the Bear Squire. Um, Big beastly looking man in a a, a suit of clothing for the time. And uh, it's probably going to dip into some of the anthology nature of season one. So we might get a little break from Geralt and Destiny and all all that jazz. Do you think they're going to drop the whole multiple timelines angle? I think it'll have stayed past its welcome if they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Take them down a notch, Ben. Ben! Yeah. Speaking of streaming series and magic and, and trailers that we forgot to talk about, did you see the trailer for The Wheel of Time? Michael, I have... I have, I don't know what it is, right? But every time I hover over The Wheel of Time, I'm like, I'm not going to watch that. I don't want to... It, you know? <laughs> I don't know what it is. I can't do it. Is it your is it your aversion to Rosamund Pike that you've had ever since Gone Baby Gone? Rosamund Pike unnerves me on several levels, Michael. Um, I was just having this conversation. There are there's a Go clique of, of actors and actresses who simply unnerve me by Go merit on. of their being. Right. One such actor is Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, because he's doing the, the mad eye thing. Like, I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. His brother Alexander is also quite unnerving in a big handsome way. 
Yeah, he's, he's too tall. He's too tall, Michael. He's too tall. Mm. Speaking of too tall, there's Nicole Kidman, who genuinely mm. gives me Roald Dahl witches vibes. I don't know what it is. Oh, she'd, yeah, she'd scare you. Have you ever seen The Others? I don't want to. It doesn't no, sound don't. good. It'll frighten, you. It'll frighten you too much. No, thanks. Um, and Rosamund Pike is also there with the with the sinister being vibe. I don't it's very know. sinister. Very sinister, Michael. Very sinister. But she tell was, me about the trailer. It's uh, There's magic going on. There's all oh. sorts of witching. Get out of town. It's, I tell you what, Ben. Say what you will about Game of Thrones' legacy on pop culture. Mm-hmm. No, go on. Oh, it wasn't great thanks to season eight. Right, go on. Um, say what you will, and you've, you just have. Yeah. But it has certainly paved the way for big budget streaming series, um, science fiction epics. It has. Not science fiction. Fantasy. It the has. other one. It, it convinced you, uh, Hollywood to take a chance on fantasy. Exactly. And Hollywood is big time taking a chance on fantasy. No more Ben, Xena Warrior Princess or The Legend of the Seeker. No, no. Everything's big budget, scary, wary stuff now, like His Dark Materials, The Wheel of Time, more Game of Thrones, but this time Matt Smith is in it, and The Witcher, Ben. It's a fine time. The Witcher and The Wheel of Time. Which way wills The Wheel of Time? Will The Wheel of Time be willed? We're probably going to get a Witcher Wheel of Time crossover in the future. Oh, that'd be good. Benjamin. (laughs) Yes. Did you know the producers of of the film series Underworld approached Marvel to do a team up between Underworld and Blade. No, fuck off. No. <laughs> anyway, that's, not good. that's that's neither here nor there. That's Benjamin, I have never read a, I've never read a single page of Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. Michael, I don't go in for this weird decade-spanning epic book series stuff. I don't get it. Oh. I don't. Oh, why not? Between him, George, between good old Robert and George R. R. Martin. I just, yep. just write your books. Just just sit there. Just write them. Get them over with. Write a bloody book. Stop this. I think the Wheel of Time is I think the Wheel of Time is over though, Ben. I think it's finished. Oh, it's just another Robert Jordan series. I think it's had a full finished. revolution. Oh, okay, never mind. No, is there another Robert Jordan series that didn't get finished? There's it's something about Robert Jordan not getting something finished before he unfortunately kicked the bucket. Oh, is there? Maybe yeah. it was this. I don't know, Ben. I don't know that much about this. As I said, I've read none of it. You know who who would know, Ben? Our good friend Connor. We need to get our good friend Connor on here to talk about the Wheel of Time, Michael. Yeah, but remember that time we went to the cinema, Ben, with him when he was seven minutes late? And then we promised we were never going to have him on the podcast again? Seven yeah, yeah. So. minutes late. We could have done six. Mm. We could have mm. done five. Could have done four. Could have yeah. probably even done eight, Michael, but it's the seven that got to us. Seven minutes, no use. No Benjamin. Use. Just taking digs at everyone today, Michael. Yeah. It's Netflix. one of those bitter days. It's a Hawkeye. bitter Halloween day. Our good friend Hawkeye, Connor. Our friend Connor. Yeah, yeah. Take that, Connor. Take that, big Hollywood and Connor. <laughs> Benjamin. Yeah. What in the hell is going on with the Eternals? What's going on? You probably have some ideas and opinions. Now, Michael, look. You hired a young, diverse female director who just won an Oscar. Ben, hold on. Hold on. What? How, she's not diverse, Ben. She's one person. One person can't be diverse. Yes, yeah, she can. Don't be silly. You can't. You she's can't a woman be. and one she's a woman of colour at the di- same time. They're diverse. Okay. But she's not diverse, though. Layers, Michael. Layers. All right. Okay, go on. She's a multitudinous being. Yeah, aren't we all, though? No, I'm fairly one-dimensional. Mm. I'm pretty much this podcast I've, character. <laughs> I've I've heard that argued before. <laughs> people people come up to me and they say, uh, "It's funny. I met Ben there in real life, and I thought he'd be. I thought there'd be a bit more to him than the podcast. But no, that's it. No, he just kept <laughs> uh, kept talking about themes. <laughs> Couldn't shut up about tropes at my father's wake. Tropes. It was really strange. Non fucking uh, stop." <laughs> Just ridiculous. So moving on from there, we've got uh, yeah. So they get Chloe Zhao, right? And Chloe Zhao is yes, your up and coming uh, Oscar winning director for the old art house films, Michael Hollywood It Girl. Now, Michael, let's be honest. Yes. If you and I were immortal yep. beings possessing yes. phenomenal power yes. that lived for ages and ages, we might. Yeah, I like where this is going. Yeah. We might yeah. one day Go on. stop with heterosexuality and say, oh, I'll give that a go as well. 
Oh, Ben, I don't think we'd even have to be immortal beings. <laughs> Just a point. couple of glasses of wine, to be honest. <laughs> well played, Michael. Um, so, what what's happened is, Michael, a lot of people have gone to see the Eternals in the countries that it's out in. And there's um, yes. there's some some fairly decent LGBTQ plus representation in the Eternals in the Seven Immortal Beings, ten ten Immortal Beings. I was testing you. Well done. Yeah, um, you know how I know Ben. How? Because they're they're all here on my bloody shelf. They're all here I've, on I've your this too early. I don't even know if it's any use, and all ten of them are standing here judging me. So it would seem, Michael, that in response to that strong representation of uh, sexuality in all its forms. Uh, a lot of people have decided, fuck this. Um, right, go on. Now, Michael, the practice is known as review bombing, and it's where a large group of internet users... Trolls, we call them, I Trolls, believe. yes. Trolls, Michael. From the, short, of, from the short form of trollop. Yes, a bunch of trollops, Michael. <laughs> yes. A sludge of trollops, as the collective noun is known. Yes. Uh, have banded together um, in hatred... To just review bomb the shit out of the Eternals film um, and give it a good old round bashing. Before they've even really seen the film, Michael, this is happening in countries yeah. where it hasn't even been released yet. Ah, that's not great. I don't agree with that, Ben. No, because they haven't even seen the film, Michael. They've just taken a stance against the politics of the film mm. and decided, nah, fuck this. Hmm. Yeah. Um, some of the actors have been quite stoic about it. Kamal Nanjani tweeted, it looks like we're upsetting the right people. Oh, very good, because he wants to upset the bigots. He wants to upset the bigots, uh, which is, is it interesting. Is pronounced bigots or bijots? Uh, I think it comes from the French bijot. Um, okay, very good. Which is a large, annoying, prejudiced uh, penguin, a bijot. Oh, right, very good. Yeah, it's just a bunch of people waddling around going, bad, whack. Um, it's a whole thing. So anyway. penguins were pretty sound. Uh, no, bijots, Michael, no, are not. Bigots penguins are. are. <laughs> bijots are not. Right, okay. Yeah, uh, if you're going to keep handing me bloody joke balls, Michael, I'm going to keep hitting them. I don't care yeah. about how many foul balls I get. Keep hitting those balls, Ben. Ben, yeah. <laughs> what? Now, having said that, <laughs> it yeah. seems to also be going down in ratings on its own accord. Yeah, um, the the early reviews, Michael, have not been good. Now, I have not seen this film. I have not seen this film. Neither have I, Ben. But the, the word that I keep seeing is mediocre. <laughs> mm. um, yes the the early positive reviews kept using the word dense yeah um, and dense is often a, a a euphemistic way to say too packed and boring yeah too much too much not superhero stuff for a superhero film that mm. I was promised <laughs> yes I don't know Ben we'll go see it this weekend and we'll see we'll see Michael because we don't want to besmirch it here it could be a great film Michael or it could be very dense Mm, could be very dense, as they say. Benjamin. Yeah. Lowest rated Marvel film of all time. Ooh, that's not good. Mm, Marvel Cinematic Universe, I mean, not including The Silver Surfer, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Which is very bad. Or Electra. Oh, what a classic film. <laughs> Remember the bit in it? Remember um, a tree fell, I think, or something? I, I can't even remember Did that she... film, Michael. That was one long perfume ad with size. Did you kick a did you kick a sandbag or was that in Daredevil? Look, Ben, it's neither relevant nor interesting. Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of things that are neither relevant nor interesting, what's your take on the current DC animated universe? Oh, Michael. It's really let itself go. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what I, I did. Understand, Michael, why people keep supporting the DC animated universe. Now, I'll tell you why, Michael. The voice mm. casting, fair enough. Occasionally they hit the na- the voice casting nail on the head, right? Yes. But I think, for my money, the animation is incredibly stilted, generic, and almost blocky in its fluidity. I'm not impressed by the quality of animation in the DC animated universe, Michael. I think it's slow moving. I think it's clunky. I think it's boring. Um, I just, I just don't think it's all that great, Why, Michael. Why have you seen something recently? I've seen bloody Injustice, Ben, the new film Injustice. There was a time when a DC animated movie, each one would have its own unique animation style. Yep. Depending on the, you know, if the if the comic writer or the comic artist, Ben, had 
I wonder if they got paid for that. But if the comic art had a distinct style, then the so too would the movie. Yeah, absolutely. You try and mimic the artist's style to give it a, a flavour all its own, Michael. But this is an animated movie based tangentially upon some comics, which are based tangentially around a video game, which has some of the heroes turning bad yeah. for the excuse to have a Mortal Kombat-esque fighting tournament. Yes. And that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, the one lasting piece of pop culture influence that this is going to have is the Joker versus Superman. It's one of the best ever the Joker versus Superman stories. Yeah, but only for the first issue. Yes, and also only for the first 15, 20 minutes of this movie. And then they throw away a pretty solid concept. I mean, all to sell comics, Michael, but I I get it. It's all about selling comics and video games and movies, Ben. But it is, to their credit, it's a very interesting take on the Joker and Superman. And and Superman, for all his powers, being ill-equipped to deal with someone like the Joker. Yeah, because Superman is a very fighting crime in the light of day kind of superhero. And Joker is very much a kind of, I'm going to break your mind um, kind of villain. Yeah. Yeah, he's a real prick. I'm going to blow up all sorts of uh, metropolises. I think you probably do a little mini spoiler there, Michael, on a series that came out over 12 years ago. Well, when did the game come out? The game came out years and years ago. Yeah. But the the driving force of the whole thing, Ben, is basically that the Joker manages to pull off his greatest ever victory and kill Lois Lane, have Superman kill Lois Lane and their unborn child. And while Superman is mourning that and trying to do something about it, nuking Metropolis. He's not great. No, he's a real prick, the Joker. Now, the fact that they later try and redeem Harley Quinn and say, oh, you know, she was misled. Nah, she should have got a fist through the chest as well. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's a, du- it's, it's a double fister. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. What? Oh, that's not great. But yeah, so Superman breaks his rule, Ben. He kills uh, the Joker and he becomes... <laughs> just, just kills him. Just straight away, fist through the chest. And he becomes the authority. Or... Marvel Squadron Supreme or Earth 2's Injustice League. Yeah, so Superman becomes the fascist overlord. He becomes Red Sun, essentially. Which we looked at in our uh, other I don't think he does become issues. I don't think he does become Red Sun, to be honest, because Red Sun was about like the Soviet motherland. But <laughs> this is about this is much more in line with Squadron Supreme is the real one. Yes. Yeah. He becomes he decides he's going to eliminate crime and eliminate dodgy governments and he's going to be in charge with the Justice League. And some of them go along with him and some of them decide to do a secret team up. It is very much, Ben. It is Squadron Supreme. So the first half is like driving Superman to making that decision. And then the second half is what if the lesser powered people or the more moral people teamed up and had a little secret gang trying to stop the more powerful ones who were going too far. When did Squadron Supreme make its first appearance, Michael? 70s? Oh, okay. Way, way, way ahead um, of what I was thinking of. So, it's a concept loosely based on the on Justice Lords, Michael. I don't know if you've ever... Did you ever watch what? the Bruce Tim JLA series? Yes. Yeah. So the Justice Lords, uh, Michael, are a Justice League from an uh, an alternative Earth, uh, one where Superman equally snapped in the face of great tragedy um, and basically becomes the the overlord of the entire planet and enforces law with swift and brutal efficiency across the globe. Um, But the entire Justice League joins him in this pursuit. Mm. Um, And the Justice Lords are... Squadron Supreme. Yeah, they were they they came about in two thousand and three. That's the only reason I was asking. Um, mm. That episode it, aired in two thousand and three. As, as a movie, Ben, it kind of works. Oh well, that's good. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, it could probably do with having either a bit more of a runtime or mm. having a couple of the subplots taken out. Possibly. What kind of subplots because we get? It in all. It all happens very quickly. We get a subplot of... I mean, if there's one subplot you could get rid of for plot and for timing, mm-hmm. you could get rid of um, Green Arrow capturing Harley Quinn and her redeeming and coming to the side of the goodies. Boo. But, 
Harley Quinn sells, Ben. That's the thing. We got to have Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah. She's got to be in there and she's got to have a big role despite being definitely one of the two people who nuked an entire city yeah. and tricked Superman into killing his uh, own wife and child. Yep, pretty hard to but, come back from. you know, yeah, yeah. But she's grand because, you know, she's funny and she's always, uh, it's, it's Gillian Jacobs. It's your favourite and mine, Gillian Jacobs. She's so wacky, Michael. Oh, she's so wacky. She's always doing wacky stuff. Um, so, you know, you could take that out maybe or you could take out some of the Pa Kent stuff. Or oh, no. There are, a few different, there are a few different things you could take out and make it a bit more of a streamlined thing. Or you could give it a bit more room to breathe. But as it as it stands, it's very much, um, it's not a coherent film. It's definitely like six individual comic book issues or whatever it was condensed down into... Oh, there's, you know, there's one we could definitely get rid of. There's a whole Amazo fight, Ben. Boo. So Amazo's introduced as uh, Ra's al Ghul has come up with these Amazos to help Superman patrol the world. And then one goes evil and everyone has to team up and fight it. And they just about beat it. And then the next big fight happens literally 30 seconds later, both in screen time and on screen. Like they, they beat Amazo. And then someone goes, now I've got this portal to another dimension for the next problem. It's, it's you know, it's a bit rushed. It's not bad, though. It's okay. pretty, I enjoyed it. It was all right. It was, it was decent. Well, that's good, Michael. I was expecting a much worse review when you said that. No, no, it's fine. I'm review that. Michael, you've watched fine. one more thing this week. You've been a very busy boy this week, Michael. I, I tell you what, Ben, I haven't. I've been very tired, so I've just been watching things. You all right? Rather than doing things. No, Ben, I'm exhausted. I'm utterly exhausted. No, that's it's, fair. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the COVID-19 pandemic. I have, yeah, yeah. It's a real pain in the arse. It's a real so, pain in the arse. Absolute arse pain. Yeah. Benjamin, I have watched a film from our, our mates at Netflix, Ben. Yeah, yeah, our and, pals. Yeah, you... Yeah, yeah. They asked us to review this. They they said they slip us a few thousand euro, and we said, "Get fucked, get Netflix. fucked." We have integrity, and we have integrity. We're going to give our own opinions of the small budget children's horror film Night Books. Night Books. It's called Night Books, Ben. I think. I think. Uh, <laughs> I think every streaming service has a new system going on now, where they only release things called Night Something. Night Teeth. Night, night books. teeth, night books. There's something on Amazon Prime that keeps getting recommended to me. Night night or night sweats, night sweats, night day, <laughs> night chills. I don't know what it's called. Nighty night, nighty night, nightmare on streaming services. But Ben, <laughs> night books is about a magic apartment. What? And this and this magical apartment, Ben, it travels around the world, luring in children. Ugh. Yeah, and you know what happens when they get lured in, Ben? I was going to make an awful joke there, I didn't. Go on. No, it's nothing to do with pedophiles, I promise. Oh, okay, they that's get good. lured in, Ben, and, and there's a horrible witch that wants to eat them. Who's the witch? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? It's bloody television and media's own Kristen Ritter, Ben. Oh, that's good. You might remember her from being in Jessica Jones. Yeah. Or she was also in... Um, what was that other thing that she was in, Ben? You remember that one um, with uh, Walter White? Oh, bloody Breaking Bad, Michael. She was in Breaking Bad very famously as well. She got broken bad. She did. She didn't uh, She didn't survive that one. Benjamin. Yeah. It's very weird to right. have an evil witch played by a Californian actress going, okay. <laughs> if you guys don't do that tidying up, I'm going to turn you into salt or whatever. It's uh, it's it's the first time I've ever heard a Californian witch, and it's just not for you, Michael. It's 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 weird. Her whole vibe is the vibe of what an eight-year-old girl might draw if asked to draw a fabulous witch. Okay, well that makes sense though, isn't it? Because it's a kids' movie. It's a kids' movie, exactly, Ben. The, the main character, Ben, I don't know what his name is. Let's call him Josh or Jack or John or Dave. It's a J name he from is, the States. We get it. Yeah, he's a he's a little small fella, Ben, and he's always writing horror stories. Oh, yeah. Because he's a big fan of horror. And they established this by showing us his bedroom. On, on his bedroom walls, Ben, he has some films, which I don't think are suitable for his age group. Well, what's he got on the walls, Michael? He's looking at the Lost Boys. Get he's out of looking- town. That's not suitable for a young man. For for a man of his age, he's under ten, Ben. It's not suitable and for a man of my age, Michael. Terrifying. No, that's for, 
frightened you. And that's the mildest one. He has Nightmare on Elm Street. Get out of town! The original one. But he has the people under the stairs. What's that, Michael? That's the the horrible one about the, the, the John Carpenter early one about the... People living under the stairs. Oh, you shouldn't watch that, Michael. No, it's oh, very interesting. But you know what? What? If I were a, a young teen, I think I would have loved it. Well, that's good. And I think it would have been a very good introduction to the world of horror. And do you think that's what it's intended to be for the, the boys and girls? Yeah, maybe. For the young boys and girls out there. Hmm. Now Ben, I watched it with my good lady friend and she is, as you know, a notorious coward and she found it quite frightening. I don't know how she'll feel about being called a notorious coward, Michael. <laughs> She's a notorious coward. When it comes to horror films, a notorious coward. I, I think not... you'll find, Michael, that most people that you interact with in your life are notorious cowards, including one co-host. Yeah, but when it comes to horror speaking. films. Yes, when it comes to horror films, absolute notorious cowards. Um, so you might find it quite frightening, Ben, because there's some frightening stuff going on. That's good. I might give that a look, Michael. It's Halloween evening after all. Exactly. You can watch it after this, Ben, if you want a mildly frightening Halloween romp. All right, I will. Do uh, that. Michael, come here to me. Come here to me. Would you say that Kirsten Rittner is intended to be a role model in this film? That's very clever, Ben. That's a delightful segue. Mm. Well, uh, how much do you want me to spoil? Oh. Right, hang on. We'll do full spoilers now. Okay. So... If you don't want spoilers for night books, yeah, off you go and make some home kooks. There we go. Yes, very good. Benjamin. Yeah. It turns out that Kristen Ritter's character isn't the evil witch after all. Ah, of course. She is one of the evil witch's first victims who has managed to overcome the evil witch and therefore gain some of the evil witch's power. Oh, yeah, interesting, right? But it and then you're her? thinking, I well, that's where that's where it it's, it goes a little bit off the rails for me, or maybe I'm just a big dummy because I was thinking, what's the deal going to be here? Is the evil witch's evil apartment still hunting down kids, and then Kristen Ritter is keeping them prisoner in the apartment to stop the evil witch from getting them, or I mean, the evil witch has the goal of. Okay. The evil witch, the original evil witch, has the goal of eating the children. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a classic witch thing. And Kristen Ritter's goal seems to be to not get eaten by the original evil witch and just to keep the children as slaves to help her achieve that. That's weird. So I don't know if you could call her the... She, like, she's She's kind of the antagonist. Okay. But then gets sidelined for a scarier antagonist right towards the end there Hmm. and never really gets a resolution Hmm. so no I don't think she's intended to be a role model Ben but because she's a fabulously dressed witch yes I have no doubt that she will become quite popular well I don't know if this film is going to be popular enough to to achieve it but as we discussed last week Ben one of the best ways to become a role model is to be a fabulous witch it is. People People really gravitate towards it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, Michael. But so you wouldn't say she's a role model then? No, she isn't, Ben. It's Certainly really not to my eye. segue beyond its confines there. Yeah. Okay, yes, she is. <laughs> Michael, that's a terrible choice of role model. She's an evil witch. Oh, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for setting me straight on my ways. Yeah. So, uh, Michael, if you were to go on... A young children's app. Well, an app that's intended for... Well, no. It's an app that people think is for children. And it mimics the sound of a clock, Michael. Right. Snapchat. Right. Yeah, that's the one. Got it in yeah. one. Because mm. all the clocks in my house go Snapchat, 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 Snapchat. Michael, like if you went on film. TikTok, you might scroll Benjamin. around for a while and find some fashionable dances and then file some commentary on some bloody pop culture stuff and then Michael you might stumble upon a yes. white man oh, I've in heard his mid 20s oh staring at the Let's camera call... very aggressively with strict back what? hair and a wide eyed gaze right lip syncing along to dialogue from one American psycho go on and you might watch that and go this is fucking weird 
This is a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. And then, Michael, you might check the comments and hopefully find that other people are going, this is a bit fucking weird. It's a bit weird. But you might be taken aback to, fi- uh, taken aback to find uh, a bunch of people, yes. men and women, writing comments like, ooh, daddy. Ooh. Or, fuck yeah, this guy knows what it's about. Or, oh, ugh, that's so <laughs> good. <laughs> okay. They seem and very you might specific go, some of those comments. <laughs> you might go, this is a bit fucking weird. It's a bit weird, isn't it? It's a bit weird. But you have run into the strange rebirth of the cult of Patrick Bateman. Hmm. Right, um, okay. So yeah. we're talking about Patrick Bateman, Ben. From what, what, what year did that film come out? Oh, 1991, I think. I think my year. No way. Uh, hang on. Not, not a chance, Ben. You look up when American Psycho came out. 2000. Oh, I'm so wrong. You're so wrong. You're miles off, Ben. We're talking about, Ben... The, the the same Patrick Bateman, the very same Patrick Bateman from the film American Psycho. And in the film American Psycho, Ben, the book is from 1991, so you're only semi-wrong. Oh, that's what I had, Michael. That's where I got wrong. The best kind of wrong, Ben. Semi-wrong. You're semi-wrong. Like skimmed milk of being wrong. That's my entire um, career, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> semi-wrong. <laughs> Old Ben semi-wrong Colopy. That's me. Ben. In yeah. that film, if you think that Patrick Bateman is a cool guy, you've missed the point. Almost entirely. Because I tell you what, Ben, he's not a cool guy. He's not. No, he's the absolute worst, Ben. He's just notably bad. <laughs> and there's two ways to look at him, Ben. Yeah. Either either the the character that we see on the screen is real... This is the mm-hmm. more unlikely of the two. But yes. either the character that we see on screen is real and he's an emotionally manipulative, manipulative, slick serial killer. Yes. In which case, you know, probably don't idolise him because he's a bad egg. Yes, he's a serial killer. Yeah. Or, Ben, the alternative is that this Patrick Bateman character practically doesn't exist and he's a figment of his own imagination. Very good, Michael. Or a pigment of his own imagination, as you would say. Yes, a bright Benjamin. hue of purple. Yes, exactly. Yes. And in that case, he's even sadder in a lot of ways. Because yeah. he himself is idolising this made-up version of, of Patrick Bateman, who he thinks is cool because he's a murderer who goes to fancy restaurants and has a nice business card. Yeah, so it's it's it very much comes off, Michael, in the film... It yes. very much comes off as a frustrated male power fantasy. Right, go on. And it, it, the, the end of the film is intentionally made, meant to make you decide two things. Go on. Number one, um, yeah. that, as you said, Patrick Bateman is a big fat liar. Yes. And he's living in his own head. Or number he's two, real, the society around Mitty. Patrick Bateman, the thing that allowed him to exist, is so corrupt that it will actually cover up his failings as a human being and allow him to continue mm. rather than punish him. Yeah. Because people will remember the final one of the final scenes of the American Psycho film. He goes to his murder apartment. Yeah, where he puts down Huey Lewis. Where he murders people. Yeah. Has Huey Lewis, though? Has Huey Lewis and their phenomenal record, Huey Lewis and the News, and their phenomenal 1986 hit. I can't remember what it is. <laughs> That's a real shame. I wish I could, though. <laughs> I was really close. Um, but anyway, he then goes to his murder apartment, and it's been painted over white and made ready for resale. Mm. So uh, we're left with two questions. The, the Definitely the more... Uh, the more logical one is that this man is insane and yes. has created an entire life for himself in his head. Mm. And that there's nobody coming to get him and he has paranoid delusions of grandeur where he thinks that he's a, you know, a kind of a killer god and very slick and a smooth operator in terms of serial killing, Michael. Yes. Um, and for some reason, and this has been a problem since the book's publishing in 1991, people read this and miss that point. Hmm. Or people only half finish the film. Or people cherry pick scenes from it. And they don't see the whole thing through. And it's a wonderful argument Michael. For watching or reading or consuming. 
a piece of art or fiction in its entirety before you form your assessment. One of the dangerous things that we see on TikTok, Michael, is the cherry picking of... Back to TikTok we go. Oh, I think it plays a central role in this kind of fetishization of bad role models, Michael. I think it's I think it's largely down to TikTok that these things kind of rear their ugly heads in some form. I don't think that's necessarily true because I have seen young men particularly idolizing Patrick Bateman since that movie came out. Now, okay, it may be becoming more prevalent again. It may be swinging back around in popular culture. Mm-hmm. But I know people who've modeled that you're, what I do agree with, though, is the cherry picking, because anyone who models themselves on some aspect of cher- of Patrick Bateman is modeling themselves on the aspects of that they think are cool. Yeah. Like his cool guy hair and his cool guy suits and his cool guy eating at fancy restaurants and his cool guy knowing about retro music stuff. Yeah. His, but his they're, kind they're of... ignoring the fact he's an absolute fucking idiot. He really is. But that's he's the most insecure man alive in the film mm. because whatever he comes up against he immediately goes how does this make me look dear like mm. the the famous scene is the one with the card where yeah. his response to his friend's embossed card is dear christ is that embossed mm, very good and he has a meltdown Good-show. over someone else's business card yes we've all we've all been there ben benjamin <laughs> yeah you are right though it's not just it's not just TikTok, it's YouTube as well, because YouTube is notorious. And Ben, you've admitted in the past that you do most of your research on the podcast by watching clips and snippets of films from YouTube. I do but most of my only film watch... research for the podcast. <laughs> I do quite a bit of other research for the podcast. Nah, nah, nah. Now you've never read a book in your life. Benjamin, <laughs> you just... Uh, I am having an just... American Psycho moment where I'm going, dear God, is he making fun of my reading? <laughs> My reading is my thing. <laughs> you just listen to clippets, snippets of audiobooks on on YouTube. But Ben, <laughs> yeah. if you only watch if you only watch the snippets of Patrick Bateman on YouTube, like the top scenes from from American Psycho, yeah, I can see why you might think he was a cool dude. Yeah, he's yeah. not though. He's the worst. He's the worst. <laughs> put him in a bin, Ben, and put a big brick on the lid. It's it's also a, a large part of, I think, Michael is down to his wealth um, or perceived wealth in the film. He's he's the epitome of the Wolf of Wall Street before we got a Wolf of Wall Street movie. You know, he's mm. a slick, smooth Wall Street guy with lots of money and eats in the best places and does this kind of thing. And he'd be up there with the Jordan Belfers and the Gordon Geckos of that kind of hyper-masculine money cult. Yeah, but they're two more characters that no one should be idolising. Yes, they are, Michael. Yes, they are. But unfortunately, whether it be through the cherry-picking that I've already spoken about, by a lack of... By by poor direction, where the message was not driven home correctly, or no. by lack of media literacy... Okay, I definitely disagree with poor direction because I think if you see the film, especially American Psycho, maybe not Wolf of Wall Street as much and definitely not uh, Wall Street, the Gordon Gekko Wall Street. Because the Gordon Gekko Wall Street, yeah, that does think Gordon Gekko's a cool guy. Yeah. But he's not, he's a real prick. But Wolf of Wall Street is a fine, fine line between hero worship of this actual real life person liar manipulator liar and con man like and but it's a fine line in wolf of wall street but american psycho is very clearly if you watch american psycho from start to finish the whole thing is very clearly a satire of Mm. that world and that type of person very 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 much so so i don't think you can say poor direction i think you're right though it's about cherry picking it's about it's about choosing aspects of a thing that you think are like and you think are cool and then ignoring the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it got us thinking, Michael, because we've seen the reemergence of that a little bit. It's got us thinking, Michael, what other people should we really not idolize in pop culture? And why does it keep happening? Benjamin, the obvious yeah. one. 
And this one is so many flipping layered, we could probably have done a whole podcast on this one character or this one duo. But the obvious yeah. one, and the trick here is going to be where to start, is the Joker. Yeah. Um, the Joker has risen to become an all-time fan favorite villain. Yes, and it's, which I'm all right with. I, I, which I'm okay with. We're not, we're not picking on people who think the Joker is a great villain. And we're not picking on people in general. We're just taking a look at you those a little people. Bit. Me, me a little bit, because I'm a prick. But in, in general, <laughs> in general, we're taking a look at those people who idolize the Joker and attempt to emulate him in some form. Don't do it. You can watch any Batman film. Any Batman series, any Batman TV show, and think, Jesus Christ, the Joker is a great villain. You can watch that, no problem. It's mm-hmm. when you watch that piece of uh, fiction and you go, that's what I should do. Or, yeah. oh, man, that's that's what I want to aim at. I'm Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger is me. Heath Ledger is me. That's my point of view, man. Heath Ledger knows what's going on in the world, man. That's me up on the screen. That's me up there. And the Joker is the most interesting one, Michael, because we have actually seen the real-life ramifications of Joker worship. Oh, of course. I completely forgot about that. There was a real-life shooting. There was a real-life shooting of a man dressed up as the Joker, emulating the Heath Ledger Joker. That's a real thing. That happened. That was a real thing Um, that happened. That's much worse than the Patrick Bateman thing. It is. Um, And one one of the fascinating things about Michael is it's generally, I have found... To be born from the Heath Ledger Joker. Um, because the Heath Ledger Joker seems to take like an absurdist anarchist view of the world. Mm. Um, and very much believes that there is no order to the universe. And that, you know, chaos is is the only truth that you can find in the universe. It's, it's very much in line with that. Except, Michael. Go on. That if you He's... watch the film correctly, the Joker's a bloody liar. He's always just flipping trucks about. But he's got a plan, Michael. He has one of the most intricate plans in planning history. Probably too intricate, Ben, to really make sense. To really make sense. But you cannot believe a man who says, do I really look like a guy with a plan? Yes, you do. You literally have plans sitting on dominoes that are falling over one by one. And if one thing goes wrong in the plan... One little thing. Yeah, the whole thing doesn't (laughs) make sense. It doesn't work. What if if Batman hadn't brought him to that police station? What if he brought him to a different police station? What would happen then? Yeah. What if Batman kept him in the Batcave? Yeah. What if uh, what if he was killed in that truck explosion? What if Commissioner Gordon didn't go along with the plan? Yeah. What if they hadn't sent all the police down into the tunnels under Gotham? Oh, what no, would that's you do the then? Other, that's a different that's film. The other film. That's the other bad film. <laughs> that's the other film. Sorry. But anyway, once you actually watch the film in its entirety, you'll realise that the Joker is quite often contradicting himself. But people ran with this, Michael... And he became an icon. It, for a while there, you couldn't go on social media without seeing some kind of Joker quote on a picture of the Joker put up. And, ah, oh, man, he just became a pop culture icon at one point. And fair fucks to Heath Ledger because it was some performance. And that's largely what drove that. But well, the mystique of believe, him dying as well helped. Yeah, that that would have had a huge effect on it. I believe that it's the mentality of the Joker and the philosophy espoused by whatever version is coming onto the TV that appeals to people. So in, in the case of the 2012 film, the Heath Ledger Joker. Oh, it was earlier than that. 20... Earlier than that. 2008, sorry, 2008. Eight, think, yeah. Um, 2008. In terms of him, that kind of... Uh, nihilistic, anarchistic, absurdist philosophy probably appealed to a lot of people who felt very jaded or Mm. who felt very hard done by by life. Now, whether they were hard done by or not, Michael, is irrelevant. They've resonated with that particular mindset. Um, And it caused, again, it it kind of culminated in that um, horrific event in the cinema, in uh, that shooting in the United States. But, Michael, we got to see that happen again very recently in the Joker um, with the Joker people have <laughs> lost their minds over the most recent Joker um, with a lot of people coming out of that film saying how is he the villain mm. but and is he, he, he going, though he, I think the villain is huh? society Ben 
See, so that resonates. But you see, this is an interesting thing, Michael, because I think this time no. what we're seeing is a Joker. Say again? No, Zazie Beats should go out with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think what we're seeing this time, Michael, is very much a Joker influenced by the internet culture of our time. Go on. Um, and I think what's interesting is that Heath Ledger Joker influenced internet culture and then... Joaquin Phoenix's Joker was influenced by that internet culture and it's in a weird kind of loop because a lot of what um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix Joker goes on about is incel culture. Mm. Or it's like an incel power fantasy. Right, go on. If that makes sense. So very much, again, a character not unlike American Psycho, probably heavily influenced in that regard, a character living in his own best life in his head. Right, right, go on. Um, there's the Zazzy Beats angle. Um, the, there's the revelation at the end of the film that he never went out with Zazzy Beats. He never plucked up the confidence. The state of him. Um, he was in a fridge, do you remember? The state of him. Um, there's his burgeoning comedic career, which seems to go well one of the evenings. And we only ever see it from his hazy perspective, Michael. It's kind of one of those things that happens. So, over time, it's revealed that he's just a very mentally ill man. Yeah, he's mental. He's got mental illness, Ben. He needs help. He's got mental illness, um, and it leaves us questioning, Michael, what he has done uh, in the film and what he hasn't done because we we can't trust him from the moment it's revealed that he's never he never did dates as he beats. And the clocks always say the same time. And the clocks always say the same time, Michael. So that's very interesting as well. Um, so it's very hard for us to decide. Um, what is real and what is not. But in that, the rhetoric that he espouses again is that it's not me who's wrong, it's society that's wrong. And I think mm-hmm. in a in an increasingly internet world, wealth-divided world, whatever way you want to look at it, that kind of rhetoric really appeals to a certain person. Mm. That kind of society's wrong, it's not me that's wrong, it's society's wrong, is also probably why there's a bit of a hero worship of Tyler Durden. Yeah, so he would be. I see. It's so interesting because I think the the Joaquin Phoenix Joker that we just talked about is a huge, hugely influenced by things like American Psycho and Tyler Durden and these. I think there's a lot of influences that went into that Joker film. But Tyler Durden is one of the original. He's up there. He's kind of like the flip side, Michael, of uh, Patrick Bateman. Go on. So Patrick Bateman is a man who operates in the one percent. He's one of the rich people of New York who can go around and spend money as they like. He can go to Dorcia. Say, go to Dorcia. Get a table yeah. at Dorcia. Yeah, get reservations at Dorcia. Yeah. Um, and yes. in the case of Tyler Durden, he's the exact opposite. He's a working class guy who absolutely hates consumerism in culture. Yeah. The thing is, though, there's two reasons. And he's a real scruffbag. He's a real scruffbag. But there's two reasons that people idolise Tyler Durden. And one is because he was played by world's sexiest man, Brad Pitt. Yes, one Bradley Pitt. Bradley Pittward. And Bradley Pittward is very sexy, Ben. He's much sexier than either you or I. I don't know if that's Arguably, true, but you combined both of us. Yeah, not he's not sexier than us combined in a kind of freakish Captain Planet, sexy homunculus sort of situation. <laughs> but <laughs> he's a sexy scruff bag. And it would be very nice to be able to be that scruffy and that sexy simultaneously. And I think a lot of people would love to be able to not try and be that sexy. I think a lot of people do try and do scruffy sexy and it doesn't work out after six months. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, wouldn't it be great to be able to just be... Because he's always smoking fags, Ben. He's not eating right. He doesn't have a shirt on. And still, sexiest man in the world. Of course, wearing those big ass shades that only Brad Pitt can pull off. Of course people are going to idolise that character. Of course they are. Yeah, I think he's less idolised for his philosophy. Although there are certainly some people who idolise his philosophy. I mean, there's a huge anti-consumerist wing of the internet, Michael, but none of it, uh, funnily enough, idolises Tyler Durden. But So it, it's not for that at all. It's it's for the violence. It's it's kind of a masochistic hyper-masculinity um, of, you know, everybody's down on their luck and the only way out is violence and chaos and all this yeah. kind of thing again. And again, it appeals to a very niche market. Getting punched in the head by meatloaf. Oh, look, the only thing missing from my life, Michael, in terms of long-term goals and life aspirations is a little knock to the head from one meatloaf. Meatloaf, yeah. That's or any kind of 
any kind of power ballad. Bonnie Tyler. A kick in the oh, crotch I, I from Bonnie Tyler. Bonnie. Yeah, that'd do you. Benjamin. Yeah. It's not only men, though. It isn't. Because it isn't the, the, the rising star of, like, popular protagonist psychopath murderers is Harley Quinn, for sure. Yeah, and has absolutely um, become a fan favourite once again. Um, both because, I think, largely helped by the popularity of the character from the Bruce Tim animated show, where she came from. She she became a, a go-to kind of Comic-Con dress-up character for that. But I think a large amount of it came from bloody uh, Margot Robbie. Jesus. Margot Robbie really catapulted her into mainstream kind of stardom. Hmm. Yes? No? Yes. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, she was, she was on the brink. She was like Deadpool. Yeah. She was on the brink there for years and years and years. And then, I mean, yeah, it's practically a mirror image of the Deadpool story, isn't it? Where it is. She was on. She was on the brink of popularity. She had a few almost breakthrough moments, and then you got a big A-lister to be in a crap film, <laughs> and then there's Harley Quinn everywhere. Thirty percent of all people dressed up for Halloween this year are dressed as Harley Quinn. Yeah, I, I think that was true. You know, it became a huge thing. Um, I wrote. Michael, way before I did this podcast and I was looking for a pop culture outlet. When um, you were a young man. I was a young man, Michael. Not a young anymore. man in your 20s. A young man in my 20s. I wrote an Screaming essay. Screaming into TikTok. Uh, <laughs> I wrote an essay having watched uh, Suicide Squad. Oh. Um, and being utterly disturbed by the depiction of Joker and Harley Quinn. I went and I researched it and I did a whole essay about the toxic relationship that the two of them embody. Um, they kind of became this comic book Bonnie and Clyde um, oh, pairing. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's what what they were and that's that's very much the aesthetic they went for. And a lot of people, Michael, from the early days of the Batman animated series um, would kind of really worship Harley Quinn's dedication to the Joker. Mm. Um, and it became kind of a... It became kind of a, a thing that people, again, would put up on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. You know, it's like, I stand by my man, even when he's crazy. And it's like, and they'd have the Joker and Harley as the background picture. And it's just, again, it's missing the point. And Paul Dini, the the creator of Harley Quinn, has come out so many times and said, this is a depiction of domestic abuse this is a, a an unhealthy relationship it's an abusive relationship and it's very in the animated series very clearly laid out that way yeah don't go for it don't go for it this woman is miserable she's used abused um you know it's not a good time and then the comics they didn't do a good job of putting that across and it's always harley who stands by the joker no matter what he does and da 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 and then came the romanticization of both of them in the Suicide Squad film, where they're both mad about each other and they're both toxically obsessed with each other. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, don't do it. Get get rid of it. But I suppose the last couple of years, the last couple of years have seen a bit of a redemption of that side of Harley Quinn's character. Absolutely. Because it's all about freeing herself from the Joker and like freeing herself from toxic relationships. But still, she's an awful murderer. She, big fan of a shotgun to the face for other people. Big fan of killing people and stealing things and very, um, very much a baddie still. Yeah. But a baddie you're supposed to cheer for. Yeah. Mm. Not a good person, Michael. No, a real bad egg. A tall, a tall, a tall. Margot Robbie's allergic to eggs. Is she? Yeah, she's allergic to eggs. They had to use duck eggs in the suicide, in, in Birds of Prey when she had a, when she had an egg sandwich. She's oh, so she only she's, a, she's only allergic to, to chicken eggs then? She's allergic to chicken's eggs, the eggs of the hen. Gallus oh. Gallus. Is, that's, is that actually the... I don't know, it might be. <laughs> I was really impressed there for a second. I was I think, like, ooh. I think I pulled that from the recesses of my mind. Benjamin, are there any other people we shouldn't be idolising? Oh, well, Michael, we've had a few classics on this podcast here before. One of them is Rick and Morty. Oh, yeah. Um, Rick from Rick and Morty lots of people think they're that super intelligent guy and it's been shown now from the last season that it's not 
Rick's been operating within a, uh, an infinite curve or a finite curve, sorry, um, so that he, he is the smartest man in the room at all times and he's just been securing his own ego. Um, it was a great but, little twist. Uh, yeah, it was. It was good. Um, I think, Michael, one of the one of the things that we see in our culture a lot more is the, the worship of serial killers, though. Yeah, we talked um, about this last week, Ben. For one thing, I, I've, I've been talking, a few people text me about this and my good lady friend actually thought it was a very interesting conversation as well. I think I, I kind of accidentally stumbled upon a topic last week that is probably going to be true, that in a hundred years from now, people will be looking back on our serial killers are, are the baddies films and saying, why didn't they just treat them? Yeah, why didn't they just get the mental help? <laughs> yeah. Why did they villainize them and make films about them jumping out and getting you when they could have been, you know, trying to help them instead? Or what? You know, Why not they could just have do been. That? Yeah, mm, interesting. But yes, the there is a. I Ben do not like a film, and will not watch a film about real life murderers. No, it's no good. I I do not like it and will not watch it. Um, even if they're the baddies, because you run that risk of portraying them as fascinating characters and interesting characters. You're never going to catch me watching a, listening to a true murder podcast and you're never going to catch me watching a film about Charles Manson, for example. The only exception, Ben, was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Because it portrayed them as gobshites and then absolutely violently murdered them. Yeah, they were just such tools yeah. in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, it, it's interesting that you say that. That whole industry, Michael, of... A true crime podcast is coming under a lot of pressure at the moment. Yeah, um, pay the victims a to bit do more a attention. better job of how they're portraying this kind of thing, and a lot of a lot of criticism being leveled at it as an industry. And um, because number one, it's traumatizing for the survivors of those events. It's traumatizing for the families that are bereaved as a result of those events. Um, and it glorifies some of it to an unhealthy degree. They mm. had Zac Efron play Ted Bundy at one point. Zac Efron's very attractive. He's very attractive, Michael. Mm. Very attractive. Um, and we've actually seen a little bit of real life um, reaction to this. There's two campaigns that have happened on the internet, Michael. Um, one to get a young murderer um, off his jail sentence because his mugshot was just too cute. Oh, yeah, it's too sexy, yeah. Yeah. And there's a noted model in Hollywood at the minute, Michael, who got famous from his mugshot. People thought it was the best looking mugshot in the world. Um, and he was uh, he was arrested for domestic abuse for oh, no use. Uh, kicking the shit out of his girlfriend. Um, and the Internet went bananas for him because he's got nice eyes. Yeah, that's not too <laughs> should put him. And it's weird. So we, we do see it in a real life sense. But um, we see it in other shows, Michael, like Hannibal. Um, as you pointed out earlier in Dexter, kind of the charming psychopath, the lovable psychopath. Um, there's lots of different versions of it out there and none of them are very good. The biggest show of the modern time, Ben, the biggest show at the moment, the biggest show on Netflix which has replaced Squid Game is You. You. And I've watched You season three, Michael. Have you? Have you watched You season one and two? No, I haven't. But I've oh, watched You season just went three. Straight to three. What was the logic there? And I... Uh, my good lady friend and I okay. watched it together. She wasn't watching. All right, and you she have wasn't, been... she wasn't willing to wait for me to watch one and two. Oh, very um, good. And you've been stalking her for years and have killed off any potential rivals. Any potential rivals. Um, yeah. So, Michael, one of the most fascinating things about that show is you do find yourself rooting for Penn Badgley, the man who plays Joe, mm. the psychopath of you, and that is really dangerous representation. You find yourself watching him do the most horrific things and occasionally what you say in your head is yes yeah, good, good man Joe you win and that's fucked up it has Victoria Pedretti in it Ben from all of the the haunting of there's too many ghosts in my house and there's too many ghosts well, in this other many, English house too many ghosts in my domicile yeah that Ooh, classic Netflix ghosts. series <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen what psychopaths do you idolise no, I'm just kidding. Ben from um, the podcast, Michael and Benjamin's podcast. <laughs> uh, what uh, what psychopaths do you enjoy um, in film? Which ones do you think people miss the points about a lot? Uh, what characters do you think you shouldn't kind of take as your role model? Let us know in a bunch of different places. You can find us on the interwebs at www.seanrabiog.com. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. 
You can find us on the bloody Instagram at Sure Look Sure Listen Podcast. It means Sure Look Sure Listen Podcast, but in English this time. Very good. You can find us on Twitter at Listen Sure. No comment. There's, there's nothing to add there, I no. don't think. Um, uh, but the best way, ladies and gentlemen, to get in touch with us for the biggest chance of a response and some live online banter is to check us out on the Discord. Get up on that Discord, baby. Hop up on that Discord. Benjamin. Yeah. I was on the Discord the other day and I put my peak joke, the best joke I've ever come up with, Ben. I said I want to go to a Halloween party dressed as a sandworm from uh, from June. Very good. And I want to stand in the corner, Ben, and I want to not talk to anyone. I want to not make eye contact with anyone all night. And people would say, what's going on with that antisocial sandworm over there in the corner? And then you would say, Ben, oh, don't worry. That's just shy halud. Yeah. It's a great joke, Ben. It's a top joke. I've peaked in my comedy career. And it got one like on Discord. (laughs) So, ladies and gentlemen, go up on that Discord, validate Mick's ego. Validate my joke. Give it a like. It's the greatest joke of all time. (laughs) Shy hello, Ben, because I'm shy. I'm like, I'm all timid. I'm doing this. Don't look at me. I'm a sandworm. Not a visual medium, Mick. I am, but you can imagine. I'm like a shy sandworm. (laughs) Fuck it, it doesn't matter. Probably not that good a joke. You can join us in a week's time, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be taking a look at who even is the bloody Black Knight. And we'll be giving you our Eternals review, which will take most of the bloody podcast. Most likely. We'll be talking all about diversities and whether or not people are review bombing. Amen. All right. Bye-bye. All right. See you next week. See you next week, everybody, for the podcast. This one. Should look, should listen. <laughs>